Thank you for joining us on the Pleasure Principle Podcast, produced by Joyful Sex Education. Our goal is to share new perspectives and science-based information that encourages a celebration of our physical bodies and desires and a deeper connection with the world around us. We challenge you to rethink how your relationship to sexuality actively creates the society that we live in today. Holistic sex education empowers social change. So, get ready. Don't flinch. We are beginning our series on transformation through extreme ritual. I am so excited about this topic because right now, every human on the planet is experiencing trauma in their own way. And I believe that we each need to look for methods that will facilitate healing. The rituals that we have developed over thousands of years have helped us process pain and maintain social cohesion rather than remaining divisive and frozen in fear. A study by Zegalatis et al. finds that extreme ritual promotes pro-sociality. This means that folks who participated in these events were measurably more generous and empathetic. In this study, the low ordeal ritual entailed singing and collective prayer, while the high ordeal ritual included things like piercing and flesh hooks. In this context, performers were taking part in the rituals while observers were watching. Here's a quote from that study. The difference between participants in the low ordeal ritual and high ordeal ritual was significant, as was that between high ordeal observers and performers. These findings suggest that the intensity of the ordeal amplified the more inclusive social identity. I'll include a link to this study in the episode notes. I'd like my listeners to think about the ceremonies in their lives that have marked important events or ease transition. This could be everything from planning a wedding, which offers its own form of self-imposed torture, to getting meaningful tattoos, to the rituals of death or the experience of childbirth the latter being one of the most powerful events in our lives and an example of extreme ritual like no other. Ask yourself, why has this powerful moment for mothers and fathers been systematically usurped by Western colonial culture? I'll tell you, I've pondered this question for decades and we'll cover this topic during this series. But today, we're talking about ritual cutting. Our special guest is Phoenix B., who lives in Seattle, Washington. Phoenix identifies as a two-spirit native of the Cree First Nations and Scots, a genderqueer top, sir, and daddy. Their official entrance into the Seattle BDSM community was by joining their local kink group, Outer Limits, in 1985. Phoenix served as a coordinator for Power Surge conferences in the 1990s and was the co-founder and producer of the Wicked Women SM Conferences in Seattle. They have taught workshops across the USA, Canada, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and Iceland since 1990. Phoenix produced the video On the Cutting Edge, demonstrating artistic cutting, which was accepted for the Seattle Erotic Arts Festival 2012. They love hooks, and have facilitated many energy pulls and suspensions. Phoenix has served the community at more conferences than I have time to read right now, but go to the episode notes and you will find all of them listed. 
After listening, you can send any questions you have for Phoenix to me at joyfulsexed at gmail.com or better yet, join our Joyful Sex Ed community and post them there. I will respectfully pass them on. I'm going to begin this episode with these very important words of warning. Picture my voice in red. Do not take part in cutting or piercing without proper in-person training with a qualified practitioner. Any activity involving blood or other bodily fluids holds a high risk of disease transmission and infection. Now, let's get to the interview. So, uh, Phoenix, thank you for joining me on uh, the Pleasure Principle podcast. Yes, absolutely. Phoenix uh, and I know each other uh, through the leather community, um, kink community. Phoenix did a couple of beautiful cuttings on my on my back shoulders of a of a a heron great blue heron and you know we may talk about that but that's that's how i know phoenix and uh, can you tell me uh what gender pronouns you prefer um he she or they whatever is respectful and you can um go with all three of them at the same time if you want (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can I can try that. That's a, a tongue twister, but I'll give it a try. <laughs> the erotophobia and sexual anxiety that our country uh, has on a deep, deep level, it hampers people, you know, as human beings, you know. And so I want to try through uh, sex education to try and help people not um, – not struggle with it so much. And mm-hmm. the reason that I, I want to talk to you and and other leather women, um, and I have a question for you about that in a minute, is that I feel like uh, folks that are in the leather community and kink community are so just very um, sex positive. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. So do you consider yourself, a, a, do you identify as a leather dyke? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> leather person, absolutely. Leather person, okay. Uh, leather dyke in my early, uh, my early entrance into the uh, leather community. Yeah, but I'm flexible, very flexible. <laughs> Do you have any other uh, words that you use to identify yourself in different circumstances? Absolutely, I am two spirit person, and the definition of that term. You can Wikipedia it, but that is uh, a person of native blood, a person that uh, follows the uh, generally in the LGBTQ plus spectrum and follows the spiritual aspects of the uh, native community. So uh, that's very important to me, and that that is a big part of what I do when I'm doing my, my work. What is your work? Tell people. Um, okay, my work is to help people uh, move through whatever it is that they need to move through on a spiritual basis. And I use um, the artistic cutting as a method to accomplish that. Um, so it's it's very hard to describe, <laughs> and some people call it 
it started out for me as a kink-based um, situation, but once I had learned the techniques, that's when I ended up getting into the spiritual aspect of this. And it absolutely helps people uh, acknowledge a lot of things, whether it's uh, an honoring that they're going to be doing for their cutting, or if it's a release, if it's a memorial, um, it can be a variety of things. And I just help them make that connection between the whatever their spiritual power is, higher power, and, um, and their intention. It's all about intention and absolutely about consent. Well, first, about can you estimate like about how many cuttings you've done? Could you even guess that? Well, I'm sure it's a, a thousand, uh, <laughs> but I've never yeah. counted. Yeah, yeah. It's been and, a lot. And why do you? And you said that you use this as a tool of to help people in. Is it you know transformative or whatever it is that people do, and why do you think that cutting is such a powerful tool? Well, in the first place, when you do a cutting, there's going to be some blood. Blood is life force. Blood is what connects all of us, no matter what our race or ethnicity is. And having that part of... Um, connecting to life force, and it becomes spiritual. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how else to better answer that. <laughs> there is no better answer. There is no better answer. Well, let me tell you, the first time I saw one, it was in a ritual, in a ceremony. And I looked at it, and I thought, ooh, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and that's when I learned never means about six months. <laughs> so I learned that technique of being able to do it through mentoring one-on-one. -on -one. But I really need to acknowledge Raylan Galina from San Francisco. I saw some of her work and um, it brought the art to what I was doing. And with that art, it brought that spiritual connection. So I, it's important that uh, that people understand this is not something that you just pick up a, a razor blade and go do it. You know, this is something that you need to be taught. You don't pick it up off the web. Um, and, and be willing to learn, once you've learned the technical aspect of it, be open to do the spiritual aspect of it. And once I started, once I recognized that there was that connection, it was running. I was off and running. What are the different reasons that people do come to you for cuttings? Well, and like I say, it's, you know, a marking on the skin. Sometimes um, they're looking for a permanent scarification. Sometimes they're going to 
want to have something more superficial. And there's going to be different ways in which I will cut to make that happen. And so it it's totally up to the recipient as to what their intention is. I don't try and tell people, you know, well, you need to do it this way or that way. That's not my job. I am the facilitator. And they tell me what they need to do. So there's a term that we use, uh, hollow bone. I am just the hollow bone from spirit through my blade to the person to make those connections and uh, help them move through whatever they're looking to accomplish. Yeah. 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 I mean, we talked about cutting um, and and why you, you choose that as a tool. It had to do with blood. And then we talked, and I talked about kind of my experience of the skin being opened. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think that pain has something to do with it? Do you think that people experiencing uh, pain in a, in a physical way has something to do with the transformative aspect of it? That again is going to be dependent upon the individual. Mm-hmm. I have done cuttings that are extremely detailed, flower mm-hmm. of life, mm-hmm. and uh, and it took several hours. That person was off into their own spiritual la la land the entire time. There was no pain. And then I've done cuttings with a few small little marks like a ruin, and there was huge release and pain associated with that. So you never know. I let people know when I'm doing this. The important thing is, is whatever comes to them, let it out. So I wanted to ask you about the Dance of the Souls Mm -hmm. at... Uh, and that happens, at, it's called, I believe it's, is it Southwest Leather? Yeah, Southwest Conference? Leather Conference Leather. in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, um, I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you to tell people what that is. And when, and when you started, originally started doing that. Southwest Leather Conference is a conference. It, it's kind of the, got the nickname, the Woo Conference. Because there's a lot of spirituality involved. Um, Still, they do have their uh, leather, BDSM, kink uh, topics. But they all tend to want that to be focused somehow or another into the woo. And that's why it's one of my favorite ones. I'm sorry that, you know, COVID has it shut down, but it'll be back. But I've been doing that dance for... Uh, I don't know, a long, long time. I'm sure well over a decade. <laughs> and um, the dances, the actual dance of souls is something that happens on uh, the end. It's a an event that has, I'm going to guess, 150 folks. I don't really know exactly. And they have um, drummers there. Um, they have they 
have uh, people who are facilitating movement around uh, with the people that are dancing. A lot of people come there with a lot of different expectations. Some people plan on being pierced um, with a flesh hook in the chest or back. Some people are there only to uh, receive uh, bells, as in the um, uh, ball dance. And some people are there just to observe and support and be witnesses. So it, every time I go there, I have no expectation, and I figure Spirit will reveal to me what I need to do when I get there. Hmm. Uh, it always, you know, there's going to be some smudging that I do, and many people also participate in that. And sometimes I have pierced, and frequently I am there to act again like a, a facilitator because I, uh, because of my native ceremonial teachings, you know, and I've been to a cere native ceremony since the mid '80s. Um, I know all about these body rituals and about the energy pull. I call it an energy pull, pull rather than a, a hook pull because it's a big difference as far as I'm concerned. And so, Tell me. Tell me what the big difference is. The spirituality, uh, the intention. Um, when you're, you're doing an energy pull, you are going in with the acknowledgement that you're going to be moving some energy. Um, and that's all part of the intention. Some people don't. Some people go in it, you know, I'm just going to have a good time with this mm -hmm. uh, uh, dance. So, you know, I'm not saying one way's right or wrong. It's, everybody has their own way of, of uh, coming to the dance and doing the dance. But it, it is very powerful when you've got, you know, 75, 100, 150 people all pierced and, and moving that energy. Mm -hmm. You can't walk out of there not high from endorphins. You know, yeah. there's no drugs, no alcohol that can get you that to that spiritual high. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And the drummers that are there are awesome. They bring their drumming. They've been doing it for many, many, many years. And they help bring the energy up. They bring it down. They have um, a slower drumming where it's time for people to kind of take a breather. And then they bring the energy up. They move the energy. It's very powerful. I was actually looking forward to going to that um, com that conference for the first time mm -hmm. in twenty and uh, twenty twenty, and so it'll it'll like you said it'll happen again. It, yes, it will it'll happen again. Yeah, and I'll be there. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That's um, the one conference that I will not miss. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, to experience that for sure. Mm -hmm. um, were you there when the science of BDSM research team was there? Yes. Can you yes. tell me about that a little bit? Well, it was very interesting. Uh, they were introduced by the uh, main facilitators of the dance um, to let folks know that this was going to happen, that you know people needed to be aware that there's going to be some testing, completely voluntary, you know, to go in. Uh, and I don't know exactly what the tests are. But I'll talk about that okay. in a separate section. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have never participated in their testing. And that goes to being coming to this as a ceremony. Mm -hmm. And in a ceremony, you don't quantify anything. It just is a connection to spirit. So that's my own personal preference. You know, I have no issues with them at all being there and quantifying um, the, the endorphins that people were receiving, things like that, the altered states. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not something that I would be okay with doing because of, you know, focusing on the ceremonial part of it. Mm -hmm. I thought about that. That I'm 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 grateful that there are research uh, academics and researchers that are out there doing the studies and the research that they're doing to quantify. Because I think that we live in a world where. People just need that. There are some people that need that. They need that kind of explanation. Well, they need that validation, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. to really be able to say, okay, now I can get it. I, I understand mm -hmm. it. Maybe do you feel like that there are things that you know because of your experiences within these communities that could be beneficial to the outside world? Absolutely. And the biggest one is that in the BDSM uh, community, number one is consent. And in order to get consent, one has to negotiate boundaries, you know, things they want, things they don't want, things that maybe they might want. And being able to transfer that type of negotiation to the greater world Talk, being able to talk about sex or what you want, what's your fantasy, uh, you don't, it's hard for, I think, folks in the greater community to be able to do that because there's a tend to be shame that's been, you know, brought upon them through whatever, you know, upbringing, shame around sex, shame about, uh, you know, any type of sexual activity. And in the commun kink community, pretty much, you know, as long as it's consenting adults and no permanent physical harm is happening and everybody's happy about it, go for it. There are uh, sayings in the commu kink community. There's the um, 
safe, sane, and consensual. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, uh, risk, aware, consensual, kink. And then the latest one is a rash, risk, aware, shit happens. And shit does happen sometimes. And what is it that you're going to do afterwards? Well, you know, you can either sit around and, and point fingers and get angry and do all that, or you can work through the problem, see what, like exactly what you said, what were your, what was your part of mm-hmm. um, allowing certain things? Where did mm-hmm. you not negotiate in your best mm-hmm. interest? Right. Um, where did the other person not do uh, check-ins? Well, did you tell them to do check-ins? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's personal responsibility is what it is, yes. and that's another thing that can move right out to the greater community. <laughs> that is so huge for us right now i'm so like it's so exciting the whole me too movement beautiful Mm. wonderful people are talking about it but what i'm seeing so much now and i think it's just a process that women are going to have to go through this kind of swinging a pendulum thing Mm -hmm. that but i want people i want women in particular and and or whatever gender they are but a lot of times in this movement it's women to feel empowered to mm-hmm. stop it yeah. in the moment. The last thing I'm going to ask you, I think it's the last thing. I think of it. Yeah, this is the last thing. You are in this, you're in this book too. This is uh, Tony's book. Oh, yes. Have you seen it yet? Yes. Have you seen yourself in it yet? Um, or your bri- quote? Yes, briefly. Okay. So this is, um, can I read your quote? Absolutely. In the book? Okay. A, a friend of ours uh, wrote this book and she was, uh, Tony was on the podcast a few months ago. Uh, the book is called Leather Journal, Stepping Into Our Own Power. Mm-hmm. Yes. Phoenix is in there with this great picture of them uh, gazing lovingly at a knife, which is in the foreground and Phoenix is kind of, blurred in the background and um like there's this just love intense look on your face um and then your quote says what i have learned over the years is that your respect in the kink community is earned by being open to learning and growing open to other ways of doing kink being honest responsible and trustworthy being willing to admit mistakes and grow from them and being able to place boots on the ground to give back and always doing your best. I like that a lot. I wondered if you had anything to say about that quote. We're all human. You know, we make mistakes. What are you gonna do about it? You know, try and become a better person. Uh, Learn from those mistakes and uh, grow. You're always going to be learning till the day you die. At least I hope. So that's really powerful for me as part of my walk in this, not just in this kink community, but in all areas of my life. 
yeah, I'm just, I, there is so much rich stuff to talk to you about and it's hard to keep it, to, to narrow it down. But thank you so much for trying to dive in with me and maybe someday we'll talk some more about some of these other deep topics that we just barely touched on. So <laughs> thank you for talking to me today. You're welcome. I'm glad I could be here. Thank you for joining us on The Pleasure Principle today. This is a short version of a fascinating interview that covered so much more, like details of my own ritual cutting, a bit about Phoenix's friend and my fantasy guest, Barbara Corellis, and her writings on Tantra, a challenging conversation about consent. We also talked about tops, bottoms, negotiation, power, and control. So much great stuff. If you have questions, or if you want to learn how to gain access to all the extended versions, including this one, go to our website at joyfulsexed.com and click the Join Our Community button. There's no charge to join, and it's where the conversations happen. For example, the Q&A we'll have on April 20th, where I'll have a small panel of folks talking about their experience of extreme ritual as well as a bonus Q&A on April 15th with the amazing Dr. Jolie Hamilton, who will talk with us about making peace with jealousy and all the different ways that we can negotiate structure within our relationships. Go back and listen to her episode. And if you want to hear the extended version, which has all kinds of amazing information that had to be cut out, I am very excited to begin offering a supporting member level where you will automatically have access to all the extended podcasts. Joining gives you lots of exclusive content that includes all the edgy details and occasional swear words, interviews and events with special guests that the muggles don't get to hear, four live online seasonal workshops on topics such as the power of pleasure and the alchemy of consent, and all the recordings from our live Q&A sessions with our guests. It's also a way for you to show gratitude and appreciation for the hard work that goes into creating this content, the community, and the workshops. And I thank you. Now, in May, our podcast guest is Jen Erickson, a PhD candidate in the Social Industrial Organizational Psychology Program at Northern Illinois University. She's been studying extreme ritual, the positive consequences of pain, and altered states of consciousness. She's a part of the research group that Phoenix was talking about, so get ready for a different perspective. Okay, I hope to see you soon.